Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this daily science fiction extravaganza, commonly known as Tales, Tales from Outer from space. Out, space. Out, space. Taken from the subreddit HFY, all the relevant links will be down below. And, as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please consider supporting the channel. On to the science fiction. Story number one. The Metal House in Space. Written by Pure Psychomantis. Chandra Patel was a man. He smiled more than he frowned and he worked more than he played. He loved a woman and a child they shared. Right now, this man was sat in a brown dust outside his home. Inside, Pooja was cleaning away after dinner. She sang softly while she worked, as she often did. The smell of spice carried on a warm night breeze. It was a glorious night. The sky was alive with lights, shimmering and glittering above. His hands poked and prodded inside an old metal box, a radio transmitter. Some of its components were charred black from the mishap. Chandra had found the radio laying unloved in a pile of debris on his walk home. Although outdated, it should still be worth something if repaired. Chandra was sure. The money would be well needed. Besides, he enjoyed tinkering. Chandra gently tugged at the damaged components, turning them over in his hands one by one. He eyed each of them intently, looking for anything that could be saved. Patiently, he separated the salvageable pieces from those damaged beyond repair, reassembling the radio as he did. Digging through his box of bits soon gave him replacements for all the damaged components, and he broke out his soldering iron. After a while, there was nothing left to repair. Chandra appeared around inside the metal case, checking his work. Nothing seemed wrong. It rarely did before the fizzing and sparking started, but one thing at a time. Satisfied, Chandra connected the battery and the radio flared to life. Yellow light streamed from the dials and a rich static hiss filled the warm night air, bringing a smile to Chandra's face. He turned the dial, hoping to hear a signal, proof that the thing worked. He heard nothing. Round and round the wheel spun, but not a sound came forth other than the constant hiss. Chandra sighed and sat back, leaving the radio be. Perhaps tomorrow he would succeed. The static flared and fluttered, the music of the universe slowly becoming consonants and vowels, and a voice emerged, broken and low at first, growing stronger with each moment. Ing, about 1.50, and I'll end Houston. Chandra smiled and threw his hands up in triumph. The new voice was soft but firm, spoke in English. Chandra's English wasn't perfect, but even he could recognize the accent as the southern United States. Was the signal coming all the way from there? Chandra wondered. He clambered up for the microphone, lifting it to his face before pushing a large black button. Hello, hello, can you hear me speaking, sir? Chandra said shakily. There was a weighted silence before a voice re-emerged. Unidentified transmission. This is November Alpha 1 Sierra Sierra. Please identify. Most of the message was meaningless, but he understood the last words. I am Chandra. I'm very happy to be speaking with you. The voice were returned. Um, Chandra, we are R5. The other voices could be hearing laughing in the background. 
I'm Richard. I'm happy to be speaking to you too, sir. I hope that you're having a good day. The voice was now slow and easier to understand. Chandra was enjoying practicing his English, although he still felt like a child when speaking it. Very good, very good, Chandra said excitedly. I made this radio work. I'm speaking on it now. I have met a new friend, Richard, and soon I'll put my son to bed. Sounds like a good day, the voice replied. Chandra was about to bid his new companion farewell when he remembered his question. Please, I wonder where you are. Well, sir, Richard's voice answered, pausing. This ISS is currently above South Asia, although we're at 17,000 miles per hour, so we won't be there for long. The unfamiliar words worked through his brain like a palinko board, their meaning slowly processing. His lies lit up in wonder when they did. Chandra looked up at the vast tapestry of the lights above him. A distant spot of light twinkled in the heavens, moving to the east, falling out of sight. Thank you, my friend. Good night. Good night, Chandra. All the best to your family. The voice crackled and faded back into static. Chandra smiled at the universe, thinking of the cramped box carrying a crew of brave men and women. The padding thuds of small feet behind him returned his thoughts to earth. Turning, Chandra scooped up Premji into his arms with a laugh. The boy giggled along with his father. Who are you talking to? Premji asked. Ah, that was my good friend Richard, Chandra replied, leaning in closer to Premji's ear before continuing. Did you know that Richard lives up there? Chandra pointed a finger towards the twinkling stars in a metal house. Premji squealed, apparently delighted at this idea. When can we visit him? On a night in many years, Premji will stand under a different sky. His boots in red dust, he will look up and see his home, a distant spot of light twinkling in the heavens. He will bring with him a story of the metal house in space, deep in his heart, along with the memory of his father. But that was all still to come, and right now, it was time for bed. End of story. Story number two. Potential, written by Twister Robotics. Why me, sighed Granchk, aggravatedly. they just gotten the Galactic Senate rebalanced, and here comes a new survey corps with another new race. Why, it had only been a little over 57 cycles since they brought in the Lyris, and 57 cycles to rebalance the Senate after adding a bunch of glorified mollusks. You'd think that it would get easier. After all, there were 578 species in the Senate. Soon to be 579, he supposed. But it seemed like each new species just made everything more complicated. Not less. Each species had its own specialties, and adding a new one inevitably caused another race to have to reconsider its own species' identity, which then spread out as ripples across the still pond of the galaxy. All right, he told himself as he focused on the survey report currently on his workstation. Let's see how bad the damage is. Okay, then, let's see. Uh, they call themselves human in the most common language. Wait, how many languages do... Over 200? Oh, okay, so they don't have a coherent government or social structure. That's odd. The survey teams usually don't approach races without a singular... Co oh, the survey corps didn't approach them. 
These humans seem to have their own FTL drives already and uh, accidentally jumped into the middle of a Westcan system. Moving on, um, physical description. Standard anthronoid, two arms, two legs, head on the top of a vertically oriented torso. Sexual diamorphism. Huh. Ugly mothers, aren't they? No fur except on the top of their head. Although the males sometimes grow fur around their mouth and jaw. Social structure. Oh, right. Over 200 different cultures. <laughs> Most seem to integrate somewhat with the similar cultures. Governments tend to be democratic. Well, at least the Senate won't be completely foreign to them. Unlike the Skrail 89 cycles ago. What a mess that was. Technological level. Huh. About a 78. That's really impressive for a pre-contact civilization. And the independent FTL would give the science division something new to focus on, instead of their current obsession with trying to destroy the universe. Huh. Computing is at an 89. There might be something there. Well, nothing too grass-shattering so far, he said, opening up the detailed survey results. Now, let's try and figure out how these humans are going to turn my nice, neat galaxy upside down. Hmm, <laughs> average, average, average. How can they be so average at everything? Grunch asked himself. Wait, what's the variance on these statistics? That can't be right, he thought. According to this, these humans are completely average as a race, but individuals excel in every category. There's a human smarter than the smartest Kayup, and faster than the champion runner of Hofig, one stronger than any of the cruel Chias. This is going to shake everything and everyone in the whole galaxy out of their comfortable niches. Flerk! End of story. Story number three. The Longbow, written by Beastly173. At the time, our fledgling multistellar empire had been at war with portions of a newly discovered galactic community had seemed like a death sentence, a tragedy of the highest magnitude. The words unwinnable and screwed, amongst others, were thrown around frequently at the beginning. Now, being the youngest race, we had one substantial advantage over our elder, wiser brethren— we hadn't had a chance to fall into established military doctrine. You see, they had all been used to walls in the way empires and nations of old earth fought. Ones of territory, not extermination, while we had assumed that it was for war for survival. For them, this rarely led to novel strategies or even methods of fighting, there being no need for it. Yes, they had better technology than we did, but scant amounts of research or funding were ever allocated to upgrading the military on any stellar nation. They were content to have outcomes of border skirmishes and what walls they fought to be determined by numbers of guns and ships one could bring to bear. In essence, they were feudal lords playing at war in the Middle Ages. Being the island of England to their centralized border skirmishes medieval Europe, we thought it fitting to introduce the longbow. It was our answer to the conventional slugging matches from armed titans. We couldn't hope to bring as many railguns, lasers, or plasma throws to bear as they could, and didn't have the technological advantage to outrange them. The earlier skirmishes, we noticed one thing which our top brass realized was a game-changer— 
They didn't care where rail rounds that mist went, trusting the size of the cosmos to render them gone forever, while we were careful to not engage a fleet directly in front of the human world, no matter how far. This was easy enough, as our two spaces only encroached on once our spheres of influence touched, meaning that we had half the sky that we never even had to worry about. The point being... They never paid attention to railgun rounds that made their way near one of their worlds or ships. Shields, always on its space, due to the intricacies of FTL and micrometeorites, would absorb it and the ship and any planetary AI would pulse the shield to absorb it when needed. This led to the longbow maneuver, our way to bring every gun in our fleet to bear on an enemy hundreds of times over, all at once. Once we had picked out a suitable target, we would spend weeks to months preparing. For planetary installations, this was easier, though for convoys or regular patrols, it was still possible. If we knew the time and place a target would be months out, we could kill it before they realized what was going on, and without ever taking a casualty. If we backed up a few light weeks, we could fire all our railguns, FDL jump slightly towards the target and decide as to not fire directly on ourselves, fire another round and rinse and repeat until we were satisfied with the size of the barrage. As the rest railguns we had could bet their rounds up to about half the speed of light, we would have more than enough to overwhelm the shields of even the most fortified of war worlds before even entering sensor range. The first time we put the longbow maneuver into action, we vaporized a comet with railfire. Their stealth ship never even raised their shields, trusting the rock to deal with the micrometeors and not bothering to scan for railfire without a ship's signature accompanying it. We assume it was a lucky chance. Three war worlds and half a dozen patrol fleets later, they realized it was us and promptly surrendered. We never needed to deploy anything past the longbow to topple military doctrine. It's almost a pity that they didn't get to experience the Operation Gunpowder. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. I hope that you enjoyed. And if you did, please don't forget to support the author from the link down below. But if you want to support this channel, there are links as well down below for you to help with. But the easiest way would be to share this video. And if you are so inclined, subscribe as well. I will see you all in the next episode, and I hope that you all have a fantastic time until then. Cheers.